Radio. You're listening to Cryptocurrent, the only podcast that explores the bold projects, exciting opportunities, and the growing reach of blockchain and cryptocurrency. Whether you've got skin in the game or you're just crypto curious, keep an open mind, enjoy the conversation, and stay Cryptocurrent. Now here's your host, Richard Carthon. Today's podcast is brought to you by Subsocial an open platform for decentralized social networks and marketplaces built on the Polkadot and IPFS tech stacks. Subsocial can be seen as a decentralized version of Reddit or Medium, where the subreddits or blogs on Medium run on their own chain, allowing for people to build their own communities. Subsocial helps to solve global censorship, lack of customization, unfair monetization, algorithm dictatorship, and monopoly on network effects. For more information, go to subsocial.network. Again, that's subsocial.network. And now for today's episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Cryptocurrent. Your host here, Richard Carthon. And today I have a special guest all the way out in Houston working on a project that I'm interested to learn more about. We have Young Beef with Subsocial. How are you doing today? Doing pretty good. Thank you for having me on. Of course, man. We'll excited to learn more about Subsocial. But before we do, I want to learn more about you. Can you give us some background on yourself? Yeah, so first got into crypto around about the beginning of 2018. Um, after that big bull run, I was involved with some interesting projects on Ethereum. I was in for like a couple of months, probably through August or so. And then, um, you know, the bear market happened and I got back out. So I was still in college at the time. Basically, wasn't involved at all until the beginning of this year. Um, got back in mainly because I was working at a mortgage bank and didn't have anything else to do at the time at work. I was bored, so I started doing crypto stuff. I got into the dot-sum ecosystem because um, I think the tech's fantastic and Ethereum gas fees are ridiculous. Um, so that was sort of a push and pull factor there. And then started looking for crypto jobs in the summer. One of my friends sent me a link to a tweet from the subsocial account that they were looking for a technical documentation writer. Uh, which I'm not qualified for at all, but I applied anyways. And then started talking with Alex, who's our founder. And one thing led to another, and then I ended up with a different role. So now I'm the content lead and community manager. So I write all, all of our announcements, deal with the community, run our ambassador program, community calls, starting to sort of pivot to more of a business development role. So talking with other projects about doing integrations uh, once we get launched as a parachain. Awesome, man. So interesting journey, right? So going from banking into the crypto space and going through some of the struggles that I even myself are going through right now within the Ethereum ecosystem of just gas fees being ridiculous Mm -hmm. Um, and looking to different ecosystems. Like you said, with Kasama, it it captured your attention and you found Subsocial where you applied for a job that you weren't necessarily qualified for, but at least got you a foot in the door. And eventually you landed in more of a niche place that kind of fits more of your skill set. Can you kind of just speak to that for a second of like the the person who's looking at potentially getting into the crypto space, but doesn't necessarily find a job that's specifically what they're looking to do, but has the courage to at least get started so they can eventually land there? Yeah, I mean, my number one piece of advice would be do work before applying for the job or before getting the job, at least that will help massively. I know I did that with this over the summer. I started a blog. I think I only put out like five posts. 
you know, put out one about uh, Polkadot and Kusama and then one about Ethereum. And, um, you know, I started talking with Alex about this job and then I quickly went and read the whole social light paper and put out a, a blog post on that, basically explaining the whole thing. So a feel for my writing style and the quality and saw that I could, you know, I knew what the project was about. And so I think doing that ahead of time, um, that was probably what ended up getting me the job I have now. And, you know, we're hiring a lot of people or trying to at least. And one of the things he definitely looks for is like, you say like dedication. And if you're doing work beforehand without any compensation, um, and that shows, you know, dedication and stuff. So uh, definitely doing work ahead of time that will always be beneficial. Definitely. People like seeing that you have the inner drive to go and put some stuff out there. But you just said that there's, you know, a couple of opportunities out there, but something that you do, I think is very crucial that a lot of people kind of overlook. And that's the technical writing piece of it, or even reading technical documents, white papers, etc. How crucial do you think it is that for people who are looking to get into certain projects, understand at a base level, what they're getting into by reading white papers? It's all clarified. Just make sure you understand I'm not doing uh, technical writing. I'm writing like our announcements and stuff like that on our blog. But I do think white papers are pretty important, um, especially if you're going to apply to a job. You should have read the white paper already and know the ins and outs of it as much as you can. Got it. Okay, well, thanks for clarifying that, but kind of shifting into subsocial. So tell us what it is and what ultimately is subsocial trying to accomplish? A lot of people think subsocial is just a social network on the blockchain. It's not really though. We call it a social networking platform. For people familiar with Polkadot and Kusama, an analogy that I use often is you can think of subsocial as a relay chain for social networks. So it's like the base underlying layer and then you build all these social networks on top of it. So we have a web app, you have the blockchain and then you build the apps on top of it. So we built the blockchain and then we also have built a web app that runs on top of it. It's also called Subsocial, which we need to change the name because people get confused. Our web app could technically be you know, seen as a competitor to Facebook, Twitter, whatever. But the Subsocial blockchain protocol is not a competitor to Facebook and Twitter. You know, it's apples to oranges. That's sort of like comparing Polkadot or Kusama to Ethereum. When Polkadot and Kusama are layer zero and Ethereum is layer one, so it's not the same. We have this base layer for building social networks on. You can build these web apps or mobile apps on top of it as different social networks. Now, one of the cool features is, you know, for example, Twitter and Facebook, their user bases are separated. So if you build up a big following on Twitter and then you decide to move to Facebook or Instagram or whatever, uh, you have to basically rebuild your follower base. And you might have some followers that have accounts on both and you can get them to follow you on the new platform pretty easily. But you can't just move the whole thing versus with subsocial, your uh, social graph, basically, as we call it, that's on the blockchain. And all the different social networks are built on top of the blockchain. So when you move between them, your social graph is still on the blockchain. So you can just take it with you, basically. So the social networks, basically the front ends, you know, the websites or the mobile apps, they're basically, it's up to user preference, whichever one that you would use depending on the user experience and the user interface of that particular uh, social network. You know, if you're using one and a new one comes out that you like better, you can just start using that. You'll still have your follower base, all of your content, your whole network, everything's already going to be there. Wow. Okay. So like you said, you're building the underlying technology so that then these platforms can be 
built on top of and kind of be interoperable cross chains. And I believe the challenges with doing this is being able to have parachains created. And I believe you potentially have one on the horizon. Can you speak to that for a second? Yeah, so we just won the 16th auction, I believe, last Saturday. So we'll be going live as a parachain on January 8th, one month from today. We're not sure how long it will take after that to get everything like actually launched, get uh, the crowd loan rewards distributed and everything. Shouldn't be that long because we've already had our beta net running for over a year now. One thing to note, most projects, they just launch a parachain, but we've had our, our beta net running. It's been a standalone substrate chain, and we're going to be keeping that. We'll be relaunching that as a mainnet chain, so we'll have a full set of validators. Um, right now, the beta net is just proof of authority, but then we'll also be launching our parachain. So we'll have uh, two chains. We're going to build a bridge, and they will share the same token because right now the parachain block times are higher, and there's not as much time in each block for doing extrinsics. The solo chains are something like 10 times more performant at the moment. So if you want a faster um, transaction speed, then you would use the solo chain. But the parachain lets us do all sorts of uh, you know the cool integrations with the other parachains. And Parity is working on getting the block times lower for the parachains. So eventually, um, there shouldn't be a performance discrepancy. And I think at that point, pretty much everyone will just migrate to the No, that's, that's big, man. Yeah, again, that's big news. I know those are pretty big essential steps. So for everyone listening, to be able to adequately connect to all these different uh, blockchains, you get these parachains set up. It's a long, pretty strenuous process. And then once you kind of get the blessing of the ecosystem, you can then really get to work on, on building out your platform. So it sounds like in early January, this is where Subsocial is going to be. So they can start building a lot of all the different things that they've been beta testing and having in their test net ready to go before they launch their main net, which is the main application and, and having everything ready to go. So with that, what have been some of the use cases that you've seen your users use within the, the beta test net? The web app that we have is sort of a hybrid between Reddit and Medium, and you can build all sorts of different uh, versions of that. Yeah, with this one, it's mainly like text-based. So a lot of people are doing like blog type stuff. You know, some other projects in the ecosystem have already ditched Medium and they're just posting all their updates on Subsocial. We've also recently started doing uh, Reddit-style AMAs with notable people in the ecosystem. So we'll make a post about it, and then you know people can ask the questions in the comments, and then that person will just come through at a later time and answer all the questions in there. Some NFT artists are sort of doing a blog-slash-marketing thing on there. Got it. Okay, so quite a few different use cases. And for the various people who are coming on and, and starting to move away from Medium and Reddit and et cetera, and they're, they're building it on top of Subsocial, is the main draw here that because it's pretty much being put on a decentralized platform, part of you know making sure that there's no censorship taken away from the content they make or they're able to customize more, no algorithm dictatorship can you kind of speak to, you know, you kind of have five different pillars on Subsocial. Can you kind of speak to those? Yeah, so you know, we got a couple of features um, like the censorship resistance you touched on, customizability. But I think the most attractive one will probably be the monetization aspects. So, for example, you know, if you're a content creator on YouTube, I think YouTube takes like 45% of the ad revenue, which is absurd in my opinion. And all the other platforms, you know, it's anywhere from like five to 25% or something like that. The first one we're going to be adding is tipping, but we also want to add subscriptions 
uh, pay-per-view and some other stuff like that. You have some monetization, but it's right on the blockchain. There's no middleman. So creators can capture the full value of the work. There's not going to be anyone taking a split. I think we'll also have ad space that you'll be able to sell directly to advertisers. Um, so you'll get the full ad revenue there as well instead of, you know, YouTube taking 45%. Yeah. The monetization piece has always been a challenge, right? So you do all this hard work to build an audience and share it. And then unfortunately, you're getting a significant portion taken away before you get your piece of the pie. So it sounds like y'all are actively looking to address those needs, which is important. And then I guess the other part of as people are building on top of subsocial, what are kind of, if you kind of bring up like a roadmap of like where you think this is headed as we head into 2022, what are some of the core functionalities that you think people should be excited about? Hey, Cryptocurrent crew, this is Steve Miller, and I'm the host of CC Live, the show that keeps you up to date with what's popping off in crypto land. Every episode of CC Live brings you the latest news, keeps you updated on the top projects, and decrypts everything you need to know to get ahead in the wild world of Web3. So if you really want to stay Cryptocurrent, join Richard, Chris, and I every Tuesday and Friday at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on YouTube Live. So what are you waiting for? Subscribe to Cryptocurrent's YouTube channel today, and as always, stay Cryptocurrent. Yeah, we've got a, a long list of features that we want to add. The um, main problem at the moment is a developer shortage, but we want to add more monetization features, like I mentioned earlier. And we also have some ideas for some DAO features. And we have what's called Spaces. It's versatile. You can think of it like a Facebook group or a Twitter page or a blog on Medium, YouTube channel. You can have one owner of a space or we're planning to add social tokens. Then you'll be able to launch a token for a space and then you can basically turn that into a governance token and then distribute it and have a community governance space, sort of like a community governance subreddit or Facebook group, something like that. So we think those will be pretty interesting. And we're also planning to organize some hackathons next year to get some more outside developers uh, building on the ecosystem. So get some more of those different front-end apps built. And we have a couple ideas for that. We're working on another app ourselves right now that will be sort of a Instagram-like NFT-related app. I'm sort of I'm not sure if it will be a, a marketplace, probably some more like a gallery. Um, again, it's still in development, so we're not entirely sure what that's going to end up looking like yet. Got it. Well, sounds like I have a lot on the roadmap, a lot of things festering over at SubSocial. So everyone, make sure you go to take away and, and get a 10,000-foot view of the entire crypto landscape. As we wrap up 2021 right into 2022, what do you think is in store or what are some of the things that you're looking out for into the future of cryptocurrency. So right now, obviously, there's a lot of attention that is in metaverse NFTs. DeFi is still relevant and looks like now there's going, we're moving towards an age of building out social platforms on blockchain. What do you think people need to be paying more attention to as we look into 2022? Yeah, I think uh, metaverse will definitely be a big play. One thing I'm very bullish on, you know, most NFTs are basically just JPEGs or something boring like that. But there's uh, the Remark team, they're building on Kusama. They basically made NFT 2.0. So you have NFTs that can equip other NFTs and own other NFTs. Um, so there's going to be tons of functionality there for, you know, game fine, stuff like that. And I think another thing to look out for is uh, decentralized identity plays. Kilt comes to mind. They're uh, just launched as a parachain on Kusama. Yeah. And I know they're, they're partnered with like some European governments and stuff. So they're already doing stuff. 
their white paper is like 109 pages long, and I read the whole thing over the summer. Yeah. Um, Impressive. Very and bullish on that. We, we recently had them on the show, so shout out to Kilt for sure. Yeah, I think that'll be big. And then sort of stuff that has like real-world use cases, Energy Web comes to mind. I know they're already being used in like Australia and California, and I think they just partnered with BMW. So, you know, DeFi is cool and all this GameFi stuff. You know, it's fun. DeFi is important for people that like can't get access to banks and stuff, but a lot of this other stuff that like already has basically instant real world use cases. I think that's the stuff that's going to be really transformative for society over the next decade or so. Yeah, I agree. You brought up a lot of really good points. And the one I want to echo just real quick is online identity. We live in a virtual world more and more these days, especially with COVID. You know, Zoom became a lot of people's medium to be able to continue to conduct business and we also are very interconnected in the crypto blockchain space. And so we're constantly on camera or in virtual worlds, et cetera. So virtual identity is going to become more and more crucial. And I think that's definitely something people should pay more attention to and, and become more knowledgeable on. So definitely thanks for, for bringing that to everyone's attention. One more quick question I have for you. Usually when I bring on community managers, I always like to ask for a couple tips because a lot of people who listen to the show are either in the space or thinking about joining communities or are in are some entrepreneurs and they're always trying to figure out how do you continue to build out your community. Do you have a couple pieces of advice or tips that they can use to continue to build out their own community? Yeah, one I was thinking about just yesterday might be a little weird is don't ban anyone unless you absolutely have to. It's never a good look to be banning people. It can definitely be a, a test of patience at times, but I think it's good. You just have to get over it. You know, if someone's just annoying you, you just have to deal with it basically. Yeah. It will definitely be a test of patience if you're going to be a community manager. But I do think it's a good entry into the space if you're not like a, a dev or you don't have 10 years of experience being a business developer or something like that. So that's sort of the, the route that I took. Gotcha. Well, thanks for that. So to wrap up, man, we always finish with two fun questions. The first one being, with all the information that you now have being a few years into the crypto blockchain space, if you could impart one to two pieces of wisdom to yourself back when you first got in, what would you tell yourself? Only invest for fundamentals because then you don't really care about the bear markets. And also don't over leverage. Make sure you always have enough money and income to pay your bills so that you don't have to sell when it dips. Uh, if you do those two things and basically just hodl and you'll make it. <laughs> That's a really, really, really good nuggets. Everyone go back, re-listen to that, play it a few times. It's Those are two solid, solid lessons. So thank you for sharing that. As we wrap up here, Young Beef, what is a final thought that you want to leave with the community today? Probably what comes to mind is thinking about the metaverse and you know, Zuckerberg, they rebranded the meta and they're coming up with their own quote-unquote metaverse. But in my opinion, the metaverse is by definition open and permissionless. While meta might build a metaverse like that, I don't really expect them to do it. So it's sort of we're at a, a fork in the road where we're either all going to become digital serfs on Zuckerberg's land or we'll have an actual metaverse. So I know what I'll be betting on. It's interesting. I, at the end of the day, they're a corporate institution that have stockholders and they have quarterly yeah. numbers to hit. So they're going to create a world that keeps them within their world, right? It would be unbeneficial for them to be interoperable, but we'll see, right? Time will tell, but I kind of, tend to agree with you on this one. Yeah, I mean, it basically comes down to incentives and theirs are not aligned with everyone else's, basically. 
Right. So something to keep in mind for everyone listening. But again, Young Beef, thank you for coming on here and spending some time and sharing all the knowledge and information. What are ways that people can either connect with you and learn more about Subsocial? If you go to subsocial.network slash links, we have a link tree there with links to our website, Twitter, Discord, blog, all that stuff. Perfect. Well, again, thank you so much for being on the show. And for everyone listening, stay CryptoCurrent. Hey, CryptoCurrent crew. We want to give a quick shout out to all of our faithful listeners out there. It's been an amazing journey, and we really appreciate your support throughout the years as we've been growing as a community. Each episode, we decided that we would start sharing some of the reviews that you were leaving for us. For today, we would like to share this review. Today's review comes from BG93. Compelling content delivered in a digestible format demystifies the crypto world by engaging participants from all corners in intelligent conversation. Remarkably interesting. We sincerely appreciate this review and all reviews and would like to ask that if you're enjoying our show, please take a quick moment to go and leave a review on our podcast so that hopefully we can be highlighting your review next. Simply go to our show notes or go to our website where we have a link where you can share your review today. Hey everyone, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more information on today's episode and all of our episodes, please visit us at www.crypto-current.co. You can also find a link in the show notes. Want to stay up to date in the latest news in cryptocurrency? Sign up for our newsletter today. You'll receive daily emails Monday through Friday that are personalized and curated content specific to you and your interest, powered by artificial intelligence. You can either go to our show notes or go to our website to sign up today. Are you an accredited investor looking to invest in cryptocurrency? Crescent City Capital can help. Go to crescentcitycapital.com for more information. I don't know if you've noticed, but the quality of our podcast each week are improving. I can only thank my amazing producer, Andrew DeRitter with DeRitter Productions, who has been putting all of this together. If you have any podcast, music, or audio needs, please go to DeRitterProductions.com. That's D-E-R-I-T-T-E-R Productions.com. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Cryptocurrent with Richard Cargon. We'll be back with more exciting developments from the world of blockchain and cryptocurrency next week. But until then, stay cryptocurrent. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Cryptocurrent. Just one quick reminder. Cryptocurrent is a cryptocurrency and blockchain education platform that's bridging the gap between the curious newcomers who are just discovering the space and the thought leaders who are shaping its future. All opinions expressed by Richard Carthon, the Cryptocurrent team, and their guests on this show are exclusively their own opinions. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Richard, the team, and their guests as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or to follow his financial advice. This show and any other cryptocurrent production is exclusively for informational purposes.